Welcome to the Timeout Bulls podcast, driven by Lexus. Visit a Chicago area Northwest Indiana Lexus dealer today to test drive the full lineup of all-wheel drive vehicles. This week on Timeout Bulls, our guest is Kevin Harlan. You're going to hear a lot and see a lot of Kevin over the next few weeks with the NCAA basketball tournament, but he certainly has established himself as one of the signature TV voices of the National Basketball Association on TNT. Does an unbelievable job, high energy, very intelligent, extremely articulate, and uh, Kevin Harlan truly is one of the great, great voices in the game of basketball. So we had a chance to sit down, talk about his career, not only about the NBA and college, but also growing up, wanting to be a sportscaster. After all, his father was the president of the Green Bay Packers, and I hope you'll enjoy our conversation with Kevin Harlan of TNT and CBS right here on Timeout Bulls. So, Kevin, give me an indication during basketball and football what your week is like. Well, like yours, it's seven days a week. When basketball starts, I know for you, closer you get to training camp, every day is a day of looking at the stories around the league with particular attention, of course, to your Bulls and uh, and trying to kind of get back in the routine that is so much a part of, of a play-by-play guy's life. is uh, If you don't have that routine, Chuck, as you know, you're, you're going to find yourself all scattered, and that's no way to, to prepare for a broadcast, no way to go into a game. And so that a lot of it is just planning each and every day. So every day of the week, especially when our – TNT NBA schedule starts on the 13th with the preseason game out west, and then we start opening night on the 25th out in Golden State with the Spurs. I think Marv's got the game before that with Cleveland getting their rings. Um, you know, we you, you've just got to make sure that every day, you've, if you've got three or four priorities, if you can bang those things out, uh, you usually find yourself in pretty good shape. There are times when we catch up. But uh, whether it's watching tape and grading your own work or watching tape of the upcoming teams you're going to do and staying on top with all the stories and all the great work the beat writers around the league, both the NBA and NFL do, all those things kind of uh, swirl throughout each and every day of my week. So it, it, while it's hectic and busy, probably no more busy than, than a lot of your listeners, but uh, that's in, in our world, those are the things, those are the priorities we set up and we try to attain. Kevin, let's talk about preparation and grading for a moment. You said that you, you grade yourself. There are a lot of broadcasters who, after a game, two days after a game, they don't want anything to do with that game. They don't want to see themselves. They don't want to hear clips. They just you know file and forget. There are others who say, okay, you know what? As soon as I get done, I want to hear the game. I want to know everything I did right, wrong, what I can do to correct. Where do you stand in that mix? Well, um, I'm, I'm thinking you and I are, are probably alike and that I, I like to continually evolve and improve. And um, I, I just feel that, that I owe it to the people that employ me and the own infrastructure of my career that, you know, much like any job out there, whether you're on <clears throat> commission, Chuck, or whether you're a football coach grading the plays and the players of that previous week's game, um, you know, I, I think self-analysis and self-improvement is pretty much at the core of what we do. So much of our preparation oftentimes goes to the wayside. And the only thing that really remains at the end of, of every discussion is what was the delivery like? What was the performance like? 
of that broadcaster? Were you on top of the storylines for sure, but when that big bucket was made with a couple seconds left, were you able to deliver? When that touchdown pass was thrown to end the game, were you able to, you know, capture all the things that made that, you know, from a broadcaster standpoint, possible? So going back and listening and making my own grade sheet, which I do for football, virtually play-by-play, and then basketball, which is more of a feel for me because you couldn't grade every play. The coaches do. They'll grade the deflections and if the guy was in the right position on a pick-and-roll or, or, you know, did, did, did the guy set the kind of screen that he, and where was it set for a broadcaster. You're making sure that, you know, on television in particular, I know radio is a completely different animal, but on television – that you're capturing the flow, you're having, you're engaging in a conversation, you're pertinent to what's going on on the floor. So it's more listening for basketball, that the feel is good, and I'll make several notes on my games. And in football, it's a little bit more detailed. Have I mentioned, you know, the tackler every play? Have I made sure that I give the gains or the loss on every play? Have I recapped frequently enough? And then I do radio and TV there too. So again, that's those are different ways and different roads to go down. The bottom line is, as a broadcaster, and you know this because of your terrific career and where you've been and the jobs you've had, you've got to constantly self-analyze. There is not a lot of feedback we get. Our, our, our bosses, our superiors are not either comfortable doing it or feel like it's overkill if they do. So it's incumbent on, I think, us individually to really sit there, grade, and be incredibly honest with what you've heard. And more times than not, I will tell you, I'm disappointed. And and rarely do I do I put off the headset at night and say, I think I've nailed it. In times that I have, I've I've not when I've gone back and looked. In times that I feel that maybe I have failed, I go back and listen or watch, and I feel that probably it wasn't as bad as I thought. So it's it's a range of emotions. I'm probably too uh, anal about this stuff, but I guess. That's the way I've kind of patterned my, my career. You know, Kevin, uh, none of us, well, maybe you're perfect. I know I'm not. But, you know, a, a ball player goes 0 for 4. Maybe he's in a slump for a week. Maybe uh, a basketball player has a tough night at the office. He goes 6 for 18 from the floor, and he's walking out of the building, and he just takes it with him. When, when, when you finish a game, in your heart, do you say to yourself, man, I nailed it. Or do you start saying, you know what, I, I got to go back early in the fourth quarter to see if I really was on top of that. I mean, how much, how much as you just described of that disappointment in your heart can linger before you say, you know what, I got another ball game in 24 hours? Well, and you do. That, that's the great thing about our job is you can quickly go out and, and try to, you know, make amends. You can try to capture what maybe you didn't have the previous night or the previous broadcast. Um, I guess I always feel like if there was no major snafu that it, it you know, I, I can take off the headset and feel, okay, we, we got through it. It may not have been my best or it may have been one of my better, but the, the bottom line is there was nothing cataclysmic that happened on the broadcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are more times, Chuck, that I'll feel, you know, I could have said a thousand things listening back to a broadcast differently. And that's the problem. This is a live event. There is no script. You are reacting to live things. And some nights, like you were just talking about, some nights your shot is on and the words flow and the ideas and the creativity and all that. The voice is strong, which gives you confidence. And you know the teams and you 
you have a great feel for and you're mixing well with your analyst and you can take off the headset and go, yeah, that felt pretty good. Um, but there are other nights where, for whatever reason, the words don't come as easily and the flow is not as rhythmic and, is, and then your pace and tempo is not what you want it to be. And, 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 and maybe for whatever reason, your analyst was off and you were trying to make amends and, 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 and trying to, to maybe cover up or help him on and maybe it was too much or you talked too much or too, you know, there's, there are a thousand things that go through my mind and and I do dwell on the the negatives far more than the positives in fact I would say uh, the the highs are never as high as the lows are low now that doesn't mean that I don't love the business and love the challenge and feel grateful every night when I lay down about you know how lucky and blessed I've been and wake up in the morning and look forward to what I've got ahead of me I I have all those all those feelings but I guess because, like you, we're so hard on ourselves, we always want to be perfect. You cannot be perfect in this business. I don't think any broadcaster from the greats that have been in the Chicago area to the national people, I, I think they would, to a man, tell you that, the, and woman, that they have not had that perfect broadcast. And, and that's what we all strive for. We love the challenge. We feel so lucky to be where we are. But at the same time, you know that you probably disappoint yourself more than you applaud yourself because it, it never can measure up to what in your mind you feel it needs to be. Kevin Harlan is our guest. Kevin is the or uh, one of the lead voices in the NBA, and there are only a handful of lead voices on ABC, ESPN, in Kevin's case with TNT. And all you have to do, folks, if you're listening for the first time to our podcast and you've heard of Kevin Harlan, you've obviously seen him on national broadcasts. Whatever the landscape is in uh, collegiate or professional sports, you know that he has a superb grasp of the ball game, and he reaches that high when it needs to be reached, but he's also a storyteller, which is a major factor of our industry, Kevin, as you know. And the story we're going to share with our listeners today on Time Out Bulls is about Kevin Harlan, and we just talked about your range of emotions following a game, during a game. But a lot of people don't realize that when you first entered the NBA, you were doing local broadcasts. This wasn't just I'm going straight to TNT. Your landscape and foundation of the National Basketball Association was with Minnesota. Is that correct? Well, I actually, Chuck, began right out of college with the old Kansas City Kings. Oh, my. They went to Sacramento. Yeah, so I was um, I, I was young and I was cheap. And that really appealed <laughs> to the Kings. Now, how so old were you, Kevin? Money. And I was 22. I got the job. Um, they called the, the day that I walked and got my diploma at the University of Kansas, which was in mid-May of 1982. Wow. And I, had not, I was 21, and I had been working at KCMO Radio in Kansas City and hosting the Chiefs pregame show and doing, in fact, this, uh, my own Sunday night show on KCMO with those classic call letters. Um, they were the flagship of the Chiefs. They carried the Royals for many years. They also carried the Kansas City Kings. And uh, Neil Funk was the voice on radio and TV for the Kansas City Kings. And that spring, he left. And, and Chuck, you'll have to help me here. And I wish Neil were on because I'm not sure if he went to Philadelphia or New Jersey. He went to Philly. He went to one of went to Philly. And he left, and he had been with the Kings for a while. And so they were um, uh, looking for someone. Uh, I was working for the station. The station was the flagship of a very small five or 
six-station network around the Midwest, around Kansas and Missouri and Arkansas, and um, and I applied for the job. Now, I had been doing games in college at Kansas uh, for local stations around the state of Kansas. I uh, had, had done a, a great deal, but in no way compared to the great voices in the business was I probably qualified to get this. But like I began by saying, I was young and I was cheap, and I think those probably appealed to the organization. Uh, the late Joe Axelson and Bob Whitsett, who was at that time the marketing director for the Kings and went on up to the Pacific Northwest and became a big player with the Portland Trailblazers and with the Seattle Seahawks. They were the ones who selected me, and uh, so I had that job uh, as I graduated from college. And, um, That's amazing. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and lucky, and incredibly lucky and blessed. But that, that was my first job, and so I'd go around the league, and I'd see – uh, you know, all the names that we know, the late Bob Blackburn and Chick Hearn and Al McCoy and, and uh, you know, of course, Jim in Chicago and, and you know, all and Joe Tate in, in Cleveland. And, um, you know, so, so anyway, you know, these great voices. And here I come in as a 21-year-old and actually began the season. I just turned 22 and I did my first game. Uh, but that was obviously terrific. So anyway, another Chicago angle here. When the Kings left to go to Sacramento – I really wanted to stay in Kansas City, but there was probably not a play, and I can't recall, but there was not a play-by-play job really that, that was going to be affordable. As it turns out, Wayne Larravee, who was doing the Kansas City Chiefs on radio, left to go take the Chicago Bears play-by-play job in 1985. And I, I knew the Kings were moving. I also knew that Wayne was moving. And uh, as it turned out, our station uh, had the rights, was the flagship of the Kansas City Chiefs. I had been doing the pregame shows, and I was 24 at the time, and, uh, and got a call. And they said that, that Mr. Hunt, Lamar Hunt, would like to uh, visit with me. He did. He heard a tape that Len Dawson and I had done. And so I got to stay in Kansas City, was blessed enough to get that job. And so that's, that's where we made our home and raised our family. But those a lot of luck involved, as you know, in this business. I mean, there's there's talent, but there is a lot of luck, and people have got open doors. And so uh, my job began in the NBA and went to the Kansas City Chiefs, which then led to the Minnesota Timberwolves as an expansion team in 89. And, and then from there, I was able to kind of build things kind of piecemeal along the way and get some TV work in there. Thanks for tuning in to the Time Out Bulls podcast driven by Lexus. The Bulls aren't the only ones with a long season. We all know the Chicago winter can be long and challenging as well. But with 22 all-wheel drive models by Lexus, you don't have to be stuck inside. Visit your Chicago area and Northwest Indiana Lexus dealer to test drive today. Lexus all-wheel drive, your antidote for cabin fever. He became the voice of the Detroit Lions and now is the voice of the Pistons. So it's kind of full circle, Kevin, in our business as far as the fraternity, because you never know what's around the corner. Well, you know what is great? And you mentioned, you say the word fraternity, and it really is. You know, we, um, I love the relationships in this business. I've loved the relationship with you when you were in Toronto and became such, such a, a fix, fixture in that country and in that city. And, and I know they hated to lose you, and now you've become the same thing in Chicago, and you've You've fallen in line with the Neil Funks and, 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 and the late, great Jim Durham, who I know you have incredible respect for, and <clears throat> I do too. He was about as good a play-by-play guy on radio that I think I ever heard. 
And, um, and, 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 but that, that is the best part of this job because when we go to Chicago or see you on the road, uh, I always see you smiling and uh, so professional in the way you carry yourself and represent that organization. And, and when I go to Detroit, I'll see Mark. And when I go to these other great places around the NBA, see these broadcasters who, like me, love their job, love the game, and just feel like they're living a dream every time they walk into that arena and put on that headset and say good evening to their audience. Um, I, I, I never take it lightly. And I know that, that uh, you know, you're, you're going to find in any line of work people that maybe aren't as friendly. But the one thing I have found is that, is that broadcasters, there is, there is a bond among all of us, regardless of what level and regardless of what market size. I mean, being in Chicago, you know, you're near the top of the league in that category in terms of market size and listening audience and a compelling team to cover. And, you know, being the voice of the Chicago Bulls, that is a hell of a job. That is a great, great job. And, uh, and, and, and so I don't think any of us take it lightly. And we appreciate it. And we appreciate the people that are kind of in the same boat that we are. It makes it, makes it fun that we have shared experiences that we can uh, relate to each other when we see each other on the road. Kevin, let's, let's talk. Thank you, by the way, for that. Let, let's talk about the NBA for a moment. When you walk into an NBA building and you put the headset on, and regardless of the teams, because you get some great games, you're, I mean, you're on the national level, you get great games, period. So when you walk into the building, what goes down your spine? What's in your heart? What, what, is, what is it about the NBA that brings out the best in a Kevin Harlan? Well, I think, you know, probably like you, Chuck, uh, the first thing I always kind of see are the pregame player individual workouts with probably players that will not play, maybe D-League uh, guys that have just been brought up. Uh, and then sometimes you see the incredible, great superstars that our league has, whether it's a Ray Allen in years gone by, he was working on his jump shot or, uh, you know, just, just a variety of, of things. I guess when I see that initially on the floor, I think this is the major leagues. These are guys working on their craft every day. This is the NBA. There is no better league in the world than this. These are the best players every single night, even even Chuck, as you know, the worst teams have got talent, and and there is some for whatever reason they may not be winning, but sometimes the players on there are just are just jaw jaw dropping, and that's that's what I love. I love the fact that there is this this magical feel of what we're going to see in a couple hours, and 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 it's going to be you know circus like. It's going to be extraordinary, and and there could be something that happens in this game that'll be so captivating. And how lucky are we that we get a front row seat at midcourt to watch this game. I also think about the people that employ me at Turner Broadcasting. They've done the NBA for over two decades. I've been fortunate enough to be there. It's my 20th year with them. And, and know that, you know, there are a lot of people behind the scenes working hard to get this broadcast on the air. So good game or bad, dull game or exciting, it's my job to do the best job that I can when I go in there. So I like that challenge, as you do too. I, I love the challenge of trying to make everybody associated with that broadcast from the people that sell it to the people that are technically involved with it, that produce it and direct it, and the people back at the stations or the, the, the various network affiliates that are carrying it. I mean, you're doing it for this big, concerted effort. Everybody's got an oar in the water, and, and that includes me. And I want to make sure that I have gripped that oar as tight and as, as, as positively as I can and make that thing go. And I know that the league 
is watching. And this is a league, as you well know, that is very big on the people that represent the game, namely the broadcasters. So we've got to be at the top of our game. Doesn't happen every night, um, you know, but, but regardless, we have got to put forth the kind of effort that when the league watches that game, whether it's Adam Silver in his home or, or anybody else with the league, that they say this is a good representative for our league because, you know what, they deserve it. They, mm. That job requires it, and that, that league deserves the best that we can give them every night. Absolutely. Well put. Kevin, uh, in our closing minutes that we have, and we sincerely appreciate your time, I want to go over, um, you know, when you call the game and, and you've got a great game in front of you, have you ever had an out-of-body experience where during a timeout you take the headset off and say, wow, <laughs> this is a pretty good ball game here? I mean, was there one game in mind that you said to yourself either during the game or during a moment when your analyst is talking, like, I can't believe I'm, I'm actually calling this one of the greatest games I've ever seen? Maybe afterwards and maybe – significantly afterwards but during the game Chuck to be very frank uh, I'm so locked in I I, I probably can't enjoy it as much from a national standpoint you're constantly you know going over in your mind have I been balanced have I been fair have we concentrated too much this way or that way Um, and and you, you know what's coming up next and am I prepared to lead into it the right way and to get my analyst I guess I'm so focused on those things which is the big dividing line between doing a national broadcast and doing a local broadcast, a regional broadcast like you. Because I've always found there is no more enjoyment than being a part of a daily conversation, part of that narrative of a team, a good one like the Bulls, and an organization which is so rich in history. There's nothing like being on the day-to-day where when you're doing a local broadcast and you come from behind and win or there's a big shot that gets – the team over the top, and, you, and our great individual performance, that to me, like it's like your family. It's like you're enjoying everything that's going on. You feel it more. You travel with these guys. You watch them practice. You visit with them on the side. They become part of your family. Do you miss that, Kevin? I do. I miss it a lot because then you can let, you can let your emotions just go crazy. You know, and you get a big shot. I mean, go bananas. And you can't at the national level. I'm not saying you can't. And I've probably been, been guilty of it far too often, but, but not like you can when you're feeling it from a local perspective because that's the team you watch. You're so embedded with that team. I mean, you can be objective. We all can, and I think people want that. At the same time, most of the listeners you have are Chicago Bulls fans. So you can deliver that great Chuck Swirsky game-winning shot or a big steal or a victory that you know really resonates at the national level. You've got to be a little bit more muted, a little bit more reserved. You can punch it, of course, but then you've got to kind of reel back a little bit, and you've got to you've got to kind of let it digest and get some perspective, and then and then do the things you need to do from that perspective. So there is, and, and you, it's never quite as satisfying, even with a great game that's nationally seen, as it is when you do a local team that comes up with a big win. And 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 I I, I guess that's that's we're kind of like. You know, we're kind of like airline pilots. You know, we fly from one city to the next. I guess we really don't care who wins or loses. We only care about a good, safe landing or a good broadcast. And then we're on to Des Moines. And then we're on to Seattle. And then we're on to Boston. And, and we're, we got a new group of people that are flying with us in the back of the plane. we got to make sure we get it up and we get it down. And I guess that's kind of how we feel with the national broadcast is that 
is that we care so much about about all the things that go on and you just want to make sure that you're really buttoned down the screws are tightened and you've done the best you can with that national game and given the and you've enhanced it as opposed to take away from from a great game well you've called a lot of great games kevin are there a couple that stand out in your mind where it really left an indelible mark on your broadcasting career I don't know, Chuck, if I can say individually. Uh, you know, there, there's always that playoff game that stands out. Um, you know, the, the game seven a couple of years ago in the first round between the Spurs and Clippers, one of the greatest first-round series uh, I had ever been a part of and did, did uh, six of the seven games in that series. And uh, probably that was only second to that Boston uh, Bulls series handful of years ago with all the overtimes and the game sevens. And 2009. Yep. Oh, my God, what a remarkable journey that was. How about yeah, Game 6? Great, great, great NBA cities and, yep. you know, just incredible efforts given by, by champions on both sides. And I just, you know, those, those two series in particular probably stand out. And then probably more than individual games, Chuck, are, are probably just guys I've watched in, in places I've done them from. And i got to tell you, Chicago might be at the very top of the list in watching the great Jordan and, and the old stadium and, and the United center and, and calling those games, you felt privileged to be there because you knew that this was something special, much like calling Kobe's games out in Los Angeles and bird to a degree in Boston with the old garden and the new. And I, I just think that, 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 you know, when you talk about, when you talk about, you know, and of course, LeBron and, and Cleveland and Miami, you know, you probably remember doing those kinds of games and they all kind of blend together and, and that is when you feel like you've really been privileged and gotten a chance to sit, you know, do something memorable. And I guess that's what kind of stands up in my mind. But nothing uh, could surpass, for sure, maybe close to come equal, but nothing would surpass doing Jordan in Chicago and the, the, the full throat of the crowd always making it a special occasion. Some buildings we go into, it's not special. It's not electric, even with a good team. In Chicago, when he played, it was always electric. It was always special. Yeah. And Kevin, that's going to bring us to our final question about Chicago. You've been through here many, many times. Obviously, you called preseason Bears games. You know this market as well as anyone. And, uh, you know, the fans love you. Uh, when, when I told a number of people that we were going to get you on the uh, podcast, they said, when is it on? We can't wait to hear it. Because, Kevin, you, you have a connection with this city as uh, you know, a number of people have, have embraced you. What does Chicago mean to you? Well, you know, I grew up in Green Bay. My dad was with the Packers, and so there's the natural rivalry between the two franchises. Uh, but there's also great respect. Um, I've got a brother who's been in Chicago for many years, was with the Bears, now is an agent. Um, I've gotten to, because I grew up so close to Chicago, we went to Chicago often growing up and I wouldn't necessarily call it a second home for me but it's the kind of town that that when I go there you just feel something different I love to fly through O'Hare I constantly am connecting through O'Hare and I love every time I come to Chicago but I will say this that that when there's something Chuck and I know you appreciate this about Midwestern fans and in particular a hub like Chicago which has had incredible teams to root for whether the Blackhawks in the NHL the glory years the Bears and certainly the great run of Jordan and those Chicago Bulls teams 
and now we've got the Cubs right on the brink, and, and, and that is going to be an incredible story this fall. I just think that they're, they're, there's something about a Midwestern person and, and, and about that city which may be sometimes overlooked because it's not on a coast. It's not in L.A., it's not in New York, but it is Chicago. And I think there is a great pride taken by the people that live there and work there and cheer there. And for me as a broadcaster, um, it's a place that brings a smile to my face and a place that I always enjoy coming to. We did that Monday night game a couple nights ago, and the Bears looked awful. But being in that stadium and the history of Soldier Field, there's nothing like it. It's it's iconic, and you feel privileged to do a game in Chicago. And I always know that there's a good restaurant to go to before or afterwards <laughs> with great memories associated with every single street in that downtown. So to me, I, I, I can't think of a better place to go visit. And then on top of that, I get to see good friends like you, and, and that makes it that makes it whole. That, that makes it whole. Well, this has been terrific, Kevin. We appreciate your time. I know we've uh, taken 30 minutes, and you've got a lot of things on the plate here. So we thank you for your time, and we appreciate it. Chuck, can't wait to see you. It'll be sooner than later. Get a great start to the season, as I know you will. We can pick up your broadcast. We have a, a place up in Door County. We have a play. We live in Kansas City. Uh, that's where we raised our family. I can pick up your broadcast on the Chicago station so cleanly. Uh, are you on eight eight ninety this year? Am I we're, we're on uh, WLS eight ninety. Yep, uh, new uh, yeah. new home for us. So we're excited about that. But um, Kevin, Terrific. when is your first Bulls game? By the way, do you know? That's a good question. I think in the first they gave us our first two months, and I don't know that I have any. I know Marv has got some. And, um, and, and so he, I know he loves Chicago as much as I do. So he'll be going in there to do those, but I'll see you sooner or later. And, um, and I always, I always enjoy when we cross paths and see your smile and, um, and your wonderful hello. I always, I always, it makes, it warms my heart to see friends like you along the trail. And so I cannot wait to get there and do a game and certainly see you. Lexus is a proud partner of the Chicago Bulls. Visit your Chicago area Northwest Indiana Lexus dealer to see the extensive lineup of all-wheel drive vehicles. Don't let Mother Nature conquer you this winter.